0: Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results LLC and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, go to supply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. Uh, today, we have Paul horenchik Vice President of LPS Industries in the New York area. Welcome, Paul. Good
1: morning. Thank you for having me.
0: So we were talking a little bit earlier, but let's tell the audience a little bit about what you guys do and what your company is and, and what your market are. is.
1: Sure. Um, so LPS Industries is a 60 plus year old company that's family owned. Its uh, CEO is the second generation daughter of the founder. Um, primarily, we are printers, laminators, and converters of flexible packaging materials. Um, that go into everything for the food market, the industrial market, the medical markets. These are the materials that are used to put uh, granola in a stand-up pouch that you might see on a supermarket. They are um, little zipper reclosable bags that you might see in a hardware store that hold screws and nuts and things like that. Um, they might be as simple as a packing list envelope. We're one of the first to uh, make packing list envelopes many, many years ago. And a growing market for us, um, especially in light of COVID, is medical device packaging. These are the foil high barrier bags that protect everything from an HIV kit to a COVID vaccine test kit um, that you would pull away and open up. And basically our charter is to protect the product from its environment. And we manufacture in New Jersey. We have warehousing here in New Jersey, um, Los Angeles, Indianapolis, and Atlanta.
0: Cool. One of the first questions that comes out in my mind, uh, you're in a fairly cost-conscious business, I would think. Uh, how, how How does the supply chain, the fact that they're not bringing things in the way they were affect your business? relative to to price pressure? In other words, if if a lot of the stuff's made in China, if it's not getting here, what has that done to your business?
1: Well, you know, it's the supply chain um, for the last two years, um, as everyone knows, has been challenging. Um, I will say that the supply chain alone um, uh, has been affected by many things uh, besides uh, the COVID I think that uh, our supply chain um, was further, quote unquote, damaged by, um, by COVID, but um, increasing labor shortages, um, political um, mandates uh, as a result of COVID, as a result of trade, um, climate effects like the deep freeze in Texas that shut down a lot of resin producers that um, were supplying a lot of the film companies that we buy film from. Um, Transit, logistic issues, all were uh, sort of in that barrel of supply chain um, mess that we needed to dig through. And what that's done is really it's raised prices Um, on a multitude of of areas, market and non-market issues. So we've had to really work smart in developing the type of uh, alternative supplies, uh, trying to go uh, with as much inventory as we can and really working um, the price uh, into our customers' prices. And it's been a real balancing act. Yeah, to be sure. Do you see a lot of competition
0: from offshore for some of your products?
1: For some of our products, we do. Um, I would
0: think yeah. that would be a, a market that they could they could impact because you can ship a lot of it uh, fairly cheaply, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, what what's happened, um, you know, pre pandemic, Um, there was a a lot of competition in some of what we'll call the commodity products that we make, you know, packing list envelopes or basic bags that you would see. The higher barrier bags that are in medical are sort of tied into uh, being regulated by the FDA and by our customers. So um, there, there, there's not as much competition. Um, During the pandemic and currently, um, and I'd like to say towards the end of the pandemic, we hope the, uh, we see a reshoring of America. We, 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 see some, uh, people coming and saying, Hey, you know, um, either I can't afford the freight costs or I can't wait 12, 14, 16, 20 weeks, or I'm not really sure it's going to get off the boat in Los Angeles, or I'm not really sure it's a trucker is going to pick it up. Maybe you can help us. And we're seeing more and more of that now for how long um, we'd like to think we can hold on to those customers. Um, but right now, I think that uh, because of so many different issues hitting the supply chain, uh, a local, meaning domestic, manufacturer um, is you know, a real benefit to people who are also waiting to put their product in a package to ship it out.
0: Well, I, I'm glad to hear that because one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is try to encourage more reshoring and and try to try to help U.S. manufacturing get a get a foothold again. Uh, you all share the same kind of issues with supply chain and raw materials coming in, labor, all that. Uh, but I still think this might have scared folks enough to realize we can't make everything seven thousand miles away and expect it to be foolproof, right? <laughs> right. Even if you save it a couple couple cents, it's it's we we've, we've learned a lesson here.
1: Yeah, I think also you know freight has become uh, so ridiculously yeah. expensive to where um, you know we used to have to uh, look at offshore for a number of different products. We've done a lot of work, a lot of initiative to try to buy domestically wherever we can. Unfortunately, some of our raw materials are no longer made here. Uh, which has forced us overseas. But you look at containerization and you look at the time and the logistics, um, you know, a container of raw materials that we would buy three or four years ago was maybe $3,000, $4,000 in freight per container. Well, now we're looking at $15,000 or more per container. Well, you know, you start adding that on to you know, a 40,000 pound container, and now you're talking a good amount of change that again has to be passed through. Um, so freight has also become an issue on top of the uncertainty, when am I going to get it? I mean, there are some things uh, that we're, we put orders out through the end of the year, and our supplier can't even tell us that they'll have raw materials to satisfy those orders at the end of the year, uh, so you know, the not in the stomach keeps growing. <laughs> well,
0: like I said, maybe that maybe that woke some folks up. I mean, there were you know the only re- advantage was cheaper labor, and even that's kind of disappearing now in some countries. Right, but, you know the the freight thing is really shocking. I, I've had a couple uh, guests on here that were in the in the drage business, and they were talking about the. The shortage of containers, a shortage of carriages to take the containers off. And the cost of a, car- a container coming over goes $30,000 in some cases. Just great, yeah. which is, you know, you add that to a, uh, a few hundred pounds, a few thousand pounds of product, that's a, that's a big hit.
1: Yeah, I, I can tell you a story that um, a, a company that we're aware of last year was in such dire straits to receive raw materials from offshore that they air freighted um, aluminum at a cost of close to $2 million to keep their plants up and running. I mean, wow. air freighting aluminum is not the way to have <laughs> transportation, no, yeah. <laughs> but that's what they had to do to keep going.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's a lot of raw materials, chemicals, a lot of my clients I've worked with in the past uh, were in businesses where high chemicals were a big, uh, yeah, raw material. And boy, that, that's just disappeared. There's nothing made in the U.S. anymore at all. Comes right.
1: Even a lot of pharma the raw ingredients, obviously, coming over from China. Yeah. yeah. You know? So it's it's uh, it's difficult. And then you add in, you know, what's going on with the trade and what's going on with uh, the politics. And, you know, you hear that China has got this um, curbing of their carbon footprint um, so they're, uh, restricting hours for production facilities and you're up against the lunar new year and a, you, you know, it just doesn't, you can't just have one thing happening here. There's always going to be something going on. Um, exactly. so what's, what's really, to me, the biggest challenge is trying to get people. Yeah. Um, if you're not out sick. Uh, and with due to COVID or, or some other issue, uh, we can't get people to, you know, to recruit them and, and train them. Um, you know, it, it prevents companies like us to grow.
0: What are you doing about your people issues? What are you doing differently?
1: Anything- you know, from the pandemic side of it and from our um, trying to um, retain and train um, and let me start with the salespeople. The salespeople uh, basically had to sit home, uh, travel restrictions during a pandemic, and they had to learn to sell via Zoom. Um, you know, in-persons just weren't done. And, you know, we we increased our communication virtually with our salespeople doing sales meetings virtually rather than in person. Um As far as the production personnel, um, we flexed hours. Um, We tried to be as flexible and as open to people's needs. Uh, Children were staying home. Mothers or fathers had to be with the children, especially the younger children who were home. So we flexed hours. We flexed our lunch breaks. We flexed our starting times. We tried to be flexible. The one thing that we always did, from the very beginning, I put out a letter back in the beginning of February 2020 when all of this really started to gel, was communicate, communicate with your suppliers, our purchasing group, get on the phone, talk to them. We redeemed an essential manufacturer because we provided packaging to the medical community and the markets uh, surrounding uh, medical devices, uh, pharma, you name it. And communicate with them. Tell them we, we really need to stay in touch. Communicate with your customers. Tell them what was going on. And most importantly, communicate with your employees. Yeah. Make them feel safe. You know, sanitizing stations, temperature checks, what, what have you. Um, distancing. We moved people away from one another, took them out of the cubicle, spread them away. Trying to just stay in touch with. The employees is paramount to making them feel that they can come to work and feel safe. So, it, just trying to be uh, an effective communicator to your employee and trying to be honest and transparent. Um, well,
0: communications is is key to retention and engagement as well. I mean, and, and- right. I see a lot of uh, issues with that in my past life of, of working with customers and clients. Uh, you know, the, the top management team doesn't ever pass through the middle management to talk to employees. And I think, I think that's this last crisis, whatever it is, has, has kind of changed. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I'm, t- I'm old enough to remember polio and everything else. And I don't remember anything ever happening like this, Right.
1: But, uh, yeah, I, I remember lining up for, for the shots to yeah. go to school.
0: <laughs> go to school, that's right. Uh, what what currently in your business, what are your, your big change initiatives in the next two or three years? Do you have anything changing or with your opportunity? Yeah,
1: a couple of initiatives. You know, one of the things, um, you know, and I'm old enough to remember the movie The Graduate, you know, plastics. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in today's day and age, plastics isn't always um, the kindest word you want to say. So we have a couple of initiatives. One is to be sustainable. Um, we're offering uh, recyclable bags. We're offering compostable bags in addition to our, our current bags, um, using more um, post-consumer uh, content um, um, materials, um, recycling is very big. So we're a very sustainable company. We have a very large solar farm right above me on our roof uh, that provides about 35% of our facility and process electric. Um, Very forward thinking um, for years and years. So remaining um, what I'll call topical, remaining uh, sustainable, um, staying in front of Uh, the technology and the changing tastes of um, our markets is key for us. And tying that into the pandemic, um, we have an active group um, that's across section of purchasing R&D production. Um, And what we do is we look at alternative materials. These are alternative materials for conventional products or they're alternative materials because we need more than one critical supplier. We, you know, we have to have backups in every one of our areas, um, because it is such a tenuous situation right now, where many companies are saying, hey, we looked at your order pattern. And you know what, Uh, you bought 10 pounds last year. Well, you can't buy more than 11 pounds this year. You know, they're looking at allocation, being able to spread uh, what they have available. So we need to really look at um, being um, flexible, pardon the pun of our business, flexible packaging, but be flexible in uh, maintaining uh, our customers needs by having um backup supplies. The third thing we're doing, um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, we we've learned to work uh, virtually and, and using electric uh, electronics more um, and being more technologically um, savvy. Um, the third thing is we hate to say it, but we have to look at automation where we can, um, if you can't get people to come in to work, well, you know, we have to look at where we need um, help. We have a couple of big new production lines that we are bringing in this year. And uh, is there any way that robotics may help in some sections that will assist our operators? Maybe it's in picking up a box and putting it on a pallet or what have you. So those are really the three areas that we're trying to um, push um, through our company over the next couple of years, being sustainable, being sustainable, being technologically more savvy and looking at um, automation where it helps us.
0: It's understandable look at automation. I I had a couple of clients on in robotics that their their business is starting to pick up because everybody's looking for the same thing. The downside of that is you got to have people to fix that stuff. Yeah. And we've had a lot of conversations on that. What would you say your company's biggest differentiator is?
1: I'm sorry, I did not hear that question.
0: Your your company's biggest differentiator. What's your differentiator in your market?
1: Um, The fact that we um, are in control of each of our processes. We don't outsource. We have in-house IT. We have in-house graphic uh, design services. We in-house print. We in-house laminate. We in-house uh, slit and convert into bags, pouches, um, roll stock, and we supply uh, throughout the country uh, in regional warehousing. So we're really in control of our uh, production um, from design through shipment.
0: Where do you see your industry gone in the next two, two or five years?
1: You see growth in it? I do, I think that uh, more and more people are going to be looking at um, coming away from what I'll call rigid packaging, going into uh, more semi-rigid or flexible packaging. It um, has great appeal. Your graphics are much more uh, definable. They're, they're much more um, uh, eye appealing. Um, they pack better in bulk packages. Um, they extend your shelf life. I think that you, we're going to see more and more, and we're seeing it, you know, every month. If you, um, if you go to a supermarket that actually has their shelves filled, um, you will see uh, more and more flexible packaging products in what used to be conventional rigid. So it's a growth area for us.
0: That's good. I know I I had a start a logistics company years ago, which is how I got to Memphis area. Uh, FedEx, but I had a subsidiary in Frankfurt, Germany, 100,000 square feet. And when you talk about packaging, one of my biggest problems was getting rid of packaging. You just can't throw it away in Germany <laughs> like you could in the States. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a real issue. It was a, it was a cost to me, and you can't. Yeah. Pass it on.
1: Yeah. I mean, as we know, Europe is ahead of us with you know green yeah. initiatives, and that's why we've come out with recyclable. Packaging. It's not curbside. It is a community uh, recyclable package. Um, You know, we're behind on on recycling here uh, compared to Europe, but um, we're also um, have a very active RD program for compostable. Um, And and there's all types of compostable. And what we're looking at is the one that is, uh, you know, a backyard uh, compost pile compostable product. Um, it, what, you know, the, the limit there is what you want to put in it. I had one customer say about a compostable package. I want to put fish bait in it. Um, not going to last too long, <laughs> but you know, if you want to put, uh, you know, screws and nuts and, and, you know, uh, non-perishable items in it, it it's a great package. So, you know, we're, we're trying to balance, uh, where the need is. We're, we're looking at, a lot of different ways that we can um, provide a package to a to a reseller, to a co-packer, uh, to an end user, and say, you know, okay, this this could work. We're also looking at sort of out of the box things. Um, you know, we make um, we make insulative type products um, because we stick together aluminum and films. Um, we coat papers. Um, We're looking at insulative products, flashing tapes around windows and doors, um, uh, facing materials for plywood. So we're also, you know, looking ahead from an R&D standpoint. You know, let's not rest on our laurels of making bags and pouches. Although what else can we make with these materials?
0: Yeah, sure. What else uh, do you want to talk about your company? I haven't asked you. Anything you want to add?
1: Um, About our company, Um, like I said, we are um, very, very uh, innovative in the field. Um, uh, Madeline Robinson, our CEO, is the daughter of the founder. Um, She's very hands-on. We have a team here in our corporate offices that um, have very, very long tenure. So we have a lot of experience. I've been in the uh, lamination converting business my almost my entire career I owned a laminating and converting company with partners um, uh, it was a company that I started with and um, over a 15 year period went from lab supervisor uh, to VP of technical services wound up buying the company um, when I sold it I had a consult come out of it because I had to non-compete and here I am back in uh, the laminating and converting business different. Markets. My markets were automotive, electrical, and uh, aerospace. These are medical packaging and industrial packages. But it's funny because uh, old timers like uh, like me uh, and a number of these super uh, suppliers have said, "You're here now. (laughs) You're you're still here." Um, So I I I know a, a lot about the business as my two other VPs who. Also help operate the business. Um, they both have forty plus years of experience as well with the company. So we have deep uh, roots in laminating and converting, and um, you know we um, we are increasing our social media presence, and um, we just you know want to get our name out there as somebody you can come to, uh, who in fact can help or direct you to where you can be helped.
0: Got it. Well, Paul, thank you for your time. I enjoyed the
1: conversation. Thank you for having me, Martin. I, I really appreciated uh, the opportunity and uh, wish everybody uh, great luck in the future. Be flexible, communicate, and um, you know, watch your risks. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in Manufacturing or Supply Chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com/supply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that will interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger uh, through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.